Good morning. So today is Pentecost Sunday, when Christians celebrate the Holy Spirit coming upon the disciples 2,000 years ago, right? What's the big deal? What even is the Holy Spirit? I mean, we get God the Father and Jesus the Son. Father, Son, yes, I get that. Okay, cool, that's fine. Why do we need the Holy Spirit as well? Why not just keep things simple? What even is the Holy Spirit? Maybe you've heard it's a bit like the wind. You know, it's a, it's a force. You can't see it. You just see its effect. Well, actually, the Holy Spirit is a person. It's an he rather than an it. Every pronoun used in the Bible about the Holy Spirit is he, not it. And then a few other examples. We see that we are not to grieve him in Ephesians. He can be sinned against in Isaiah and lied to in Acts. We are to obey him in Acts again and honour him in the Psalms. Don't worry too much about those uh, particular examples, but the point is, he's a person. He's not just um, a force or a thing. So he's a person, but he's also a member of the Trinity, our triune God. Uh, The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, a part of the Godhead. The Trinity isn't just the same person, just in different forms. One minute he's, he's a bit like a father, the next he's a bit like a son. But the Trinity is rather three different people, part of the same Godhead. Maybe the best picture in the Bible of the Trinity is, uh, is marriage. A man and a woman, different persons, are to become one. Distinctive people together as one. So the other thing that we might be tempted to think about um, with the Holy Spirit is, did he just suddenly appear at Pentecost? You know, when the disciples were waiting for him to arrive. But no, we see that the Holy Spirit didn't just suddenly appear at Pentecost, but has been at work throughout the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible too. In fact, right at the beginning, let me show you. If you turn to Genesis 1, so that's right at the beginning of the Bibles in front of you. So, chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So the Holy Spirit has always been, right from the start, he's been part of the Godhead with the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit himself was involved in creation. But that's not all. What's more, and we sang about it already a bit today, the Holy Spirit lives in us. Let's check out 1 Corinthians 6.19. Don't flick there, I'll just read it for you. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God. How glorious it is that this heavenly, majestic, and holy God would come and live in us. That's a huge deal. To be honest, it's a bigger deal than we can in 21st century England really come to terms with. We can't really understand such a big deal that it is. You see, throughout the Old Testament, the rituals and the amounts of of cleansing that the Israelites, God's people, had to perform, 
even to approach this holy God, to even come near him. The choice of of words in this passage that we've read in Corinthians just now is particularly insightful as it speaks of our bodies being a temple, which is where the Israelites met with God. Of course, God is everywhere and not just restricted to a temple, but there is a sense in the Old Testament that the temple is special. It's a special place where they could meet with God. And so the Israelites, to uh, to come into um, the temple, had to do lots of preparation. They had to be really careful about how they came and approached this holy God. We don't have time to, to look at all these passages now, but if you're taking notes, maybe have a look at Exodus 28 or Numbers 2 to 3, where it goes to great length to explain the the garments that the priests had to wear to go into the Holy of Holies, or the special layout of the camp that the Israelites had to have with a temple, with the temple in the center. The Israelites had to go to great length. If the Holy of Holy gods was to make his dwelling place among them in their midst, they had to, pre- they had to be really careful about their preparation. The point that it's making is this is a holy God, pure, perfect. We as impure people cannot just come into his presence lightly. And yet that same God now lives within us. So for the Jews, this would have been a massive deal. This would have been a huge plot twist, a game-changing deal. The living and holy God choosing to live within us. Oh, here you go. That's the um, garment. There you go. So that's been helpful. We've been thinking about who the Holy Spirit is and that he's always been and that he's within us. Now let's look at what difference that makes, why it's a big deal. Why do we want to be a spirit-empowered community? Let's read together a passage in John. John is a passage in the New Testament, that's the second half of the Bible, and if you've been coming to Portswood for the last few months, you'll be familiar with it because we've been doing lots of series on it. John is one of the four Gospels, so that's one of the, uh, the biographies following Jesus' life. So, John fifteen twenty six to sixteen fifteen, and Lucy's going to read it for us. Thank you, Lucy. When the Advocate comes, who I have sent to you from the Father the spirit of truth, he goes out from the Father. He will testify about me. And you must also testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you, so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think that they are offering a service to God. They will do such things, because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this, so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning, because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, 
because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. And all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Brilliant, thank you. So, well, the first thing to notice is what Jesus thinks of the Spirit. Jesus believes that it's better for his disciples and for us too that Jesus leaves that they may have the Spirit. That's a commendation, isn't it? Jesus thinks so highly of the Holy Spirit that he is convinced that it's better that he should leave, that we should have the Holy Spirit within us. And that's because of what the Holy Spirit does for us. See in verses 12 to 15, he will declare what is Jesus's and he will glorify Jesus. We see that the Spirit opens our eyes that we may see clearly who God is that we may love and worship him, that Jesus may be glorified. The Spirit exposes, brings clarity, that we may see clearly who Jesus is and love him. But more than that, the Spirit is in us, warming our hearts, that we may praise, delight, enjoy, relish, experience God. The Spirit doesn't just present us with hard, cold facts. He brings us to love Jesus and the Father too. The Spirit isn't just like an inkjet printer printing out nice food recipes. Or even like a torch so that we can see the food recipes. No, I think he's more like a fork. Bringing nice, tender, hot, warm stew that we may enjoy it, we may taste it, that we may know it. The Spirit brings us to know and to love the Father and the Son. What about you this morning? Do you know and love God for yourself? Maybe you've seen Christians and you thought, that's nice, but not for me. Why not pray and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth to you, to declare who Jesus is, that you may enjoy him too. Or maybe you know Jesus as your saviour, but you feel like your heart has grown cold to God. Maybe you know that you've been saved by grace and that's wonderful, but you're not really feeling it. Being a Christian has become reading your Bible, going to church and refraining from doing certain things. You know a lot about God, but you don't enjoy him, delight in him. And love him anymore. Well, you too need the Holy Spirit to warm your heart. That you may love and worship him. That's the way it's meant to be. Romans 5. 5, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Who has been given to us. The Godhead, Father, Son and Spirit have always been right from the beginning. And they've always loved each other. In fact, that's why they created the world, an outpouring of that huge love that they had for one another. And we're invited in too, to love, worship and enjoy them. That's the best gift that we could be offered. 
And that's what Jesus has died for on the cross. To forgive us for rejecting God. And so that we may be invited to love, worship and enjoy the Father, Son and the Spirit. So the Spirit is at work in us, showing us who Jesus is and what the Father is like. That we may love them. But he's also at work in us, transforming us to become more like Jesus too. Some of you may be familiar um, with the fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to take a look at a passage now from one of Paul's letters. Uh, Paul was one of the early church leaders after Jesus had left. And Paul is writing, to, um, writing a letter to a church in Galatia. He writes to them to encourage them, to challenge them, to keep them going in their walk with Jesus. And Howard's going to read for us. Thank you, Howard. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Let's not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Thank you. Sorry, I think I may have forgotten to give you the reference. But yeah, that's good. Galatians five nineteen to 26. Um, Howard read it really well, so hopefully you were able to pick up where we were. Okay, so those are a great fruit, aren't they? And wouldn't we all like to have uh, some more of that? Wouldn't we like to be more gentle? I would anyway. But um, so... So how, how do we go about it? Do we just sort of say, okay, well, which one am I going to work on today? Which one am I going to try at? I'm going to try that a bit harder. Um, but they're called the fruit of the Spirit. So a bit like an apple tree produces apples. So the Spirit produces the fruit of the Spirit. So it makes sense that we can't just do it by ourselves. We can't just try a little harder. Uh, trying harder in our own strength will result in a, in a disingenuous attempt. We'll try and, and force ourselves to behave in a way that isn't natural and we can't keep it up. But how can we be more like Jesus then? How do we have more of these fruits in our lives? Well, the first um, point that we were looking at earlier might help. Loving Jesus more. The more that we love Jesus the more that we will find it natural to want to be more like him. Secondly, in the passage that we read earlier in um, John 16, 8, let me read that, recap it for you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. See, this spirit reveals sin to us with the help of God's word, the Bible. Yep, that's it. And thirdly, um, we should pray, asking the Spirit to make us more like Jesus. Seeing as we've seen that the fruit of the Spirit are from the Spirit, it seems logical to be asking him to have more fruit in our lives.
Let's look finally at um, the way in which the Spirit empowers us for mission, for sharing the good news. As Jesus was leaving, he called his disciples to make disciples of all nations, to share with others the great news. And the Spirit has a massive part to play in this. We read in Acts 1 that uh, we are told that we're given power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and to the ends of the earth. Let's read together another one of Paul's letters, this time to the church in Corinth. Now Paul, once he became a believer, devoted himself to sharing the good news about Jesus. All around the Mediterranean, both Jews and non-Jews, He's probably the most influential person in bringing the good news there has ever been. So his thoughts on this will be particularly helpful. So let's read together uh, 1 Corinthians 2. It's on page 1145. Thanks, Tom. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God has destined, and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit the person with the spirit makes judgments about all things but such person such a person is not subject to merely human judgments for who has known the mind of the lord so as to instruct him but we have the mind of christ thank you so we see how even the great Paul himself, who has been so important in bringing good news to many, explains that his words are rubbish, that it's not by human wisdom, it's by the Spirit 
the Spirit is using him. Um, and we, yeah, in verse 13 it says, This is what we speak, not in words taught by us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. It's the Spirit who convicts people, teaches them the things of God, brings them, brings people to himself. So what does it mean for you and me? Well, first of all, it's not down to our wise words, is it? it this prevents us from, uh, this takes a lot of pressure off, doesn't it? But also prevents us from uh, boasting and feeling proud. It's not down to our wisdom or great communication skills. That's a relief. It's the spirit, the spirit that, conv- that convicts and brings people to Jesus. We can do it in his power. We can go in his power. The spirit can and does use us. Do we tend to, to forget that? Do we can, tend to feel that um, sharing the good news is about me? It's about our own strength. Do we forget that it's the work of the spirit bringing people to Jesus? For me, I find this a great comfort. I don't really know what to say to my friends or my colleagues. Am I going to get it right? Am I going to say the right thing? It's a great relief that it's the Spirit who does the work. We can be brave. We can go in his strength. I think secondly, we can, say that we can highlight the importance of prayer. As it's the Spirit that brings people to God, not us, we should be pleading with the Spirit to reveal himself to our friends. How serious are you about your, your friends, your family, your colleagues, your neighbours, your course mates, your classmates, your squash club teammates, your antenatal class parents, and others knowing Jesus? Do you long for them to know Jesus? Are you praying for them? Are you praying that the Spirit would declare who Jesus is to them? That the Spirit would glorify Jesus? So, what have we seen this morning? Well, we've seen that the Spirit declares who Jesus is to us. That we may know him, but more than just know him. That we may love him, that we may enjoy him, that we may taste him, that we may experience him and worship him. We've seen that it's the, the Spirit who can transform us to be more like Jesus, to bear fruit. And we've seen that it's um, not our wisdom or wise words that brings people to Jesus. It's the Spirit who empowers us, who convicts people and brings them to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you so much uh, for creating us. Thank you for that great love that you had for one another, that you just wanted to outpour, you wanted to create. And thank you that you wanted us to be part of that. You wanted us to be able to, to love you, to experience you, to enjoy you. Sorry for the times when we uh, go about living the life our own ways, but thank you that you bring us back Thank you, Jesus, for what you did on that cross, that we can be forgiven and that we can come back and know and enjoy you again. We just want to yeah, pray that we would be able to enjoy you. Amen.